You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you're doing pretty bloody fantastically awesomely well. The bloke you're about to hear from, his name is Miller, and he is the frontman for Sydney-based Doomy Sludgy Monsters, Black Renault. Let's hear from Miller. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Miller. According to Facebook, Black Renault are an unstoppable band of brothers set on making a mark in the Australian scene. Here we go. Their hell-raising live show, commanding stage presence and bone-crushing anthems, that sounds painful, are kicking down doors for the band already in a big way and nothing seems capable of stopping them. In other other words, so I'll start again. In other words, world, watch the fuck out because here they come. So, Miller, tell us about the band, who's in it and what you've been up to over the past 12 months. I think we need to update that. That's a while ago, right? (laughs) It's a good one. I'll hand it to you. It's one of the best ones I've seen. Oh, wonderful. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> We've got a good, good Steve. Well, I'll draw start. So tell us about the band. So I was, I was short of the bio, to be honest. So normally I do a bit of background yeah. on the bio and see what other bands, other members of the band have been in, that sort of thing, and how you came together. So I'll hand it over to you yeah. in terms of telling us, you know, a little bit about the band, just some background, who's in it, and what you've been up to over the past 12 months. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, um, I mean, we've been around, we got together, I think it was late 2015, like at the end of 2015, so, um, and it's the three of us, you know, uh, Doug Martin on drums and uh, Nanalistico de Plistico on guitar, as he likes to call himself, nice. but uh, Mariana, Mariana Palomares <laughs> on guitar, and um, I met those guys, They, I've got, a, I've got a studio in Sydney, and they, like... Nano had just landed in the country, basically. He's, he's Spanish. Mm-hmm. And he went over to like, the local music store. And was like, where do I jam? And they said, hey, go see Ryan. Go see Noah. And um, he, he just like, you know, walked in the studio one day. And I could hear him playing riffs through the, through the wall. Mm. And I was like, when he hired one of the rooms, and I was like, man, you know, you're a band. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he was jamming with another dude. And then uh, I was like, do you need a singer? And I was like, yeah, I was like, well, can I audition, you know? Mm. And um, and then sort of same thing, Dougie came in the studio one day, he just moved to Sydney as well from up the coast, and uh, yeah. and I'd, I'd finished, I didn't have a band going at the moment, and you know, I was trying to get something happening, and I heard his drums, and, and he, you know, I was just like, oh, this dude rips, you know? And he's a cool guy. Yep. And then uh, we sort of all just came together, and, and then, yeah, formed the band, and, and now two and a bit years on, we've... Um, now we're a band of brothers united of together brothers. as one. Don't you are you know, taking on taking on the world. So what's the fuck <laughs> <out>? <laughs> I do like it. You've got to leave it up there. It's a very strong strong oh, way of introducing the band. Yeah, it's really you know. funny. <laughs> but you know, the other thing I liked about you guys, you've clearly got a sense of humour. So the video accompanying the track "No Time for Numb Nuts," it's hilarious. Yep. Now, it brought yeah. to mind something that Bob Daisley, the famous bass player for Ozzy Osbourne, he's, he lives in Sydney, actually. He's, a, he's Australian. Oh, wow. He said yeah. to me years ago, now, this refers to the hippie in the uh, V-dub van, okay? Now, he said to me that he was playing a gig out of Sydney somewhere, and one of the local yokels said to him, oh, so you guys are from Sydney flying high again, or you guys are flying high again in Sydney town or something like that. So very typical sort of comment made by a bloke similar to the, the guy that's in the combi in the um, in in the video clip that you've got there. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, he mentioned that and he said it actually made the title of a famous Ozzy Osbourne song, which is Flying High Again. Now, of course, that has nothing to do with your video, but it just brought that whole scene to mind, like a band from Sydney on the road. And I know that the bloke in the video actually makes a comment about you guys from Sydney always break down here or something like that. So anyway, I've talked enough, yeah. but tell, tell me about the video. Um, yeah, that was really fun. We, we shot that video uh, down just outside of Melbourne. So we played Canberra the night before and we had to meet, uh, meet Dan, the, the videographer, director guy. Um, and also Youngy, the the guy that, that plays the hippie, he's, um, he plays the band King Parrot. And, oh, that's um, Youngy, is it? I thought I recognised those teeth. Yeah, I've spoken to him yeah. a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. And um, so we met those guys just outside of uh, outside of Melbourne, just on, on that dirt road there. Hmm. Um, and we we literally slept for like an hour. Like we, we, By the time we got back from the um, 
from the gig and, and packed up and then had to drive and meet those guys super early in the morning. So we went to like a backpackers and like just closed our eyes for an hour, woke up and off we went. Mm. And then we didn't really have any direction. We sort of had a, had a rough idea like, okay, cool. We just basically, we, we had a day, you know, and we were playing that night in Melbourne as well. So it was like meet as early as we possibly can during the day and just go and film a bunch of stuff and we'll just see what happens kind of thing. Um, and, and yes, full credit to Dan from Farmwalker um, Productions. He uh, He's just one of those people that just comes up with ideas just, you know, on the spot and they're just super funny and super, I don't know, just the, the way he, he interacts with you and just gets you to do stuff. Hmm. He's just, he's, he's amazing with it. And um, so he just rocked up with a bunch of props and things like that. And he's like, oh, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And we just sort of put it together as we went, you know, just sort of ad-libbed it all and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And then, um, yeah, and just, just shot it during the day, and, and that was it. And then he hooked up a, a dude to do all the claymation stuff, which you know, I, I think is awesome. I love that stuff. It sort of reminds me of all the Primus, early Primus video clips and things oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and he, he basically just, you know, he directed it, man. You know, full credit to him on that side of things. No, it's, look, I get, I get a lot of advanced copy including videos and links to videos and the like and and my own thing is that i don't like it when bands release live videos okay um yep. mainly or you know the sing-along videos in some cases it works but it's fairly boring to be honest with you because the bank and you oh just... you mean like the uh the, the lyric videos oh uh, no no i don't even have a problem so much with them it's mainly when you see like live action shots of the band playing live as the music video i really appreciate oh, okay. it when a band actually goes to the effort of what you guys have done and actually do yeah, some, yeah. some sort of a concept. I think it gives you, um, it actually, as I say, because I receive so many videos and so much advanced copy, that's the sort of stuff that stands out. That's the sort of stuff that's yeah. very compelling. And it was actually a video that allowed me to make sense of your music. You know, not, yeah. not that it doesn't make sense listening to it without the video, but it, it was re really cool to see what you guys had come up with to accompany the track because it works so well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we got a lot of great response from, from that video. Um, a lot of people really, 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 really loved it, and, and I think uh, you know, sort of won over fans and things like that with it as, mm. as such. Um, and yeah, I mean, having I think having a really good video is just super, super, super important. Um, not only is it just really, really cool and really, really fun to make, mm. you know, like you know, do, doing it's just just a whole lot of fun, and then you look back and like, oh, that's you know, you're stoked on it, you know. All the, all the effort and all the time we put into it, but um, I think it's also really, really important, like you say, to sort of stand out a little bit and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it cuts. It, it's a lot of. You know, I guess just to add to the point I was making earlier, get a lot of um, copy from European bands, and of course, most European bands play on the variety of festivals that are over there, and there's heaps. There's about fourteen or fifteen going at the moment. Top shelf yeah. festivals that most of the bands over there can play at any given time, of course, whenever they're on, and. Inevitably, a lot of the videos that come through are of them performing at Hellfest or whatever the Trollfest or whatever the name of the fest is that's going on over there, um, which looks really cool. But imagine how many advanced copies I might get and how many times can you see a power metal band, for example, playing at Wacken, a video of that happening. Um, it's It actually, you're becoming a bit numb to it. So when I get a video like yours, it does, to your point, it does stand out and makes me go, there's something else going on here. Yeah, cool. That's you know. good to know. <laughs> Keep that in mind for the next one. <laughs> Keep it going, yeah. So tell us about the EP called Let's Start a Cult. Was it a labour of love or were you just happy to see it released after many hours of blood, um, sweat and tears? Well, I think, um, I mean, we, we wrote those songs pretty quickly, like within a, a matter of a, a few months, really. Um, like just over a couple of months, really, like two or three months. Hmm. And... Um, and we started gigging like we, you know, basically two months after we got together and first, you know, went cool. This is a band. This is a band. We started playing shows, and those songs were were basically in there. Um, and then, or maybe yeah, added a couple more. But about six months later, we were like, okay, cool. Let's let's record a let's record an EP. So it wasn't it wasn't like we'd been sitting on them for ages or anything like that. That was still super fresh. It was still very early in the piece of, of us actually being a band. Um, so it's not like we were like, you know, itching to get things out as such as we've been sitting on it for a while, but it was mm. just great to get something out and go, cool, this is our, this is our music, you know, let's get this, this ball rolling as such. And, um, and yeah, that cool. was sort of, yeah, that was, that was that. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Now, um, 
sorry, I'm going to talk about the video again, but it's in reference to a T-shirt that you had on Snot. So are you a fan of the band? Because I remember them from, from years ago. And are they an influence over you in the music that you create? Uh, more so myself than the guys in the band. They, they didn't really know much about them. But okay. uh, I'm a massive Snot fan. Yeah, love them. Lynn Strait, that was a singer, wasn't it? Yeah, what a shame. He um, had that car crash. And Is that what it was? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, he had a car crash. It was they, they just... I think they just finished recording like all the instruments for the for the second album, and then um, and then you know he had this this, this car accident and he was gone. No good, no um, good. Like Chi Chang and Deftones, yeah. Hey. Like Chi Chang out of Deftones as well. I know he didn't go straight away, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he um, yeah, that was that, that sucked. I mean that, that that one album that they've got, um, guess um. Yeah, it was enough for the guitarist, I think, to audition successfully for Limp Biscuit. They had that one album back in the day, didn't they, where they had the guitarist from Snot? Not that I followed the band, but I remember that. Yeah, I think it had a pink cover, and it had the, when I say pink cover, the album sleeve was pink, I think. God, don't quote me on this, I'm not really a fan of the band, but they, I remember them doing that very, um, it became a hit, the cover of the Who song, Behind Blue Eyes. I'm pretty sure that's the snot guitarist playing on that track as well. I don't, I don't know. That might have, um, I mean, you know, the guitarist Wes Borland was, was was probably the best part about that band. But um, well, I think that's what happened when they lost Wes for a bit, and they. Yeah. Do, do you remember? Do you remember working the media back in those days? This is like 15 years ago or so, maybe longer ago. But they held auditions where people could come along and um, they had to sign away the rights to whatever was recorded that they played for the audition. So just say they'd worked on a crash hot riff for the purposes of auditioning, using it as the audition to get into the band, potentially as a song that the band could release. The band apparently had rights to that. If, a bunch of knobs. Oh, That's just, terrible, eh? Well, you know, it was more surprising to me, mate. I'm going down to you can audition. You can audition for our band. Bring in all the best riffs you've got. But once you've auditioned with us, we keep we now legally own those riffs, and if we choose to use them in our, in our new in our new material, then you've got no right to it. What Something fuck, like if, that. If, if that's if that's how it went, what a bunch of wankers. Yeah, that's right. That's probably the best way of framing it. If that's how it went, now I'm go- going on my 15 year old memory. If that's here. how it went, yeah, but yeah, yeah. If that's how it went, went, mate. And and what's more surprising to me is that the band's popular enough to actually appear on download because I don't know a single person that actually listens to them or even like them. And I know a lot of a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it surprises me that they actually still have relevance. I, I just look at it as brocore. You know that whole brocore thing where dudes sort of not having respect for other people get into the pit and they start slamming around and not in the artistic sense. Yeah, yeah. I hate that stuff too. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. No <laughs> oh, well. But Snow were like a band that that did you know that new metal funk. The funk thing I remember. There was like they're, they're this weird thing that they did. It was like a new metal, but it was like new metal, but it was good. You know what I mean? And it had this sort of real funk sort of thing, and you know, like just the uh, the guitars and the drums. It was super heavy, but not like not like heavy double kick heavy. You know, just super mm. punchy, and just the vocals, man. He's just he just had those vocals that were just raw, powerful. Yeah. And, yeah, they and, were, um, and really made the music more heavy than what the music really was in, in a way as well. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Yeah, it was a shame when he went. Yeah, I know he was. He he connected with a lot of people, didn't he? Because there was that tribute album that was released not long after he passed, and it had Lejon Witherspoon well, from Seven Dust and heaps of others on it. Yeah, and that was that was the album that the band had recorded, but he Lynn didn't get to actually do the vocals because he was gone. So then they went in the studio and got all you know like Seven Dust guy uh-huh. and a whole bunch of people um, to go and record. You know, they had uh, Corey from Slipknot and. I can't remember the full list, but a whole bunch of, of, of people from that day are insane. It was to, a um, ton of emerging that. artists, wasn't it? There was a whole heap that were on it, yeah. And I just remember that video and um, back when, was it, was it called Channel V back then? I'm pretty sure it was. Um, you know, yeah. the Foxtel program um, used to, you know, yeah. that was our only source of music videos really back then. There was no YouTube in that era. So I remember yeah. watching it. It was on fairly high rotation for a track like that. I mean, I know it was a bit of a... It reminded me of an Incubus song, actually, uh, something that Incubus would write. So it justifiably got quite quite the airing back then. So I think Snot, if it weren't not for that track, I don't think a lot of people would have actually known about the band. Yeah, because they're not, they're not one of those bands that everybody knows. They, um, I guess for that same reason, is they only sort of, 
you know, they had that one album. So they sort of came and blew up a bit and then just sort of, you know, obviously off they went. So Yeah, indeed. Um, they so, were cool. They were very cool. Let's take a right turn, okay? Now, I've, I don't know what it is, and I'm seeking your sage advice on this, okay? Um, I've interviewed, I'm up to about 250 bands or individuals and bands at this point in time. I reckon yep. you're about the fourth person in the band from Sydney that I've interviewed. Okay, so granted, I get a lot of opportunities to interview. I spoke to Al Jorgensen yesterday and Ishan from Emperor this morning. So they're the sort of people typically that I, I, I would interview and as a whole bunch of Australian artists as well. Barely yep. any come from Sydney though. I interviewed Rowan from Jack's Band, which is an indie band based in Erskineville. I think you, they were really in the West somewhere. Um, a few yep. others, uh, but, but bugger all, I've got to tell you, mate, and compared to what Melbourne does, Brisbane does, and Perth especially just seems to be producing a ton of wonderful music at this point in time. But look, what's your take on the scene in Sydney? And how do you find the support you receive that you are aware of that you get from local fans compared to fans from interstate when you travel to Brisbane or Melbourne, for example? Yeah, it's, um, it's better when we get out of town. I hate to say. Yeah, I, hate I thought so. Say, but it's the truth, you know. It is better. We go to Melbourne, we go to Brisbane, and we, and we get out of town or wherever we get out of town. Generally, there's um, there's more support in, in yeah. It's it's different. I don't know. Like Sydney, man, Sydney's awesome. I, I love Sydney. Um, obviously, I've grown up here and all that kind of stuff, so I'm biased. But it's not um, it's not like a raging scene as such. But it's still got some good stuff there. Like man, there's still people going to shows. It's just not as I don't, I don't think it's as. Um, Is it because as the cities? The, the typical thing on Friday night, everybody just goes to that spot. It's it's a bit less like that, less than that. It's you really need to have the band that that can pull heads. Yeah, that's what I noticed. I was in a, a band in Sydney for a couple of years called Velveteen, and I definitely yeah. remember what it was like. We played Caring Bar Bizos and a few places around town like that. I mean, the Annandale, the Marquee. Yeah. We supported a few people when they were coming through town, and. It just, I don't want to say had a hostile vibe because that's not really what it was about, but it just wasn't very friendly compared to what it is in Brisbane and, and Melbourne. I feel like when, I, when I'm having conversations with the bands from Melbourne, especially a lot of the metal bands from Melbourne, like the guys in Harlot, Desecrator, you know, they're very keen to talk about the scene from which they come from. Um, yep. Perth, it's definitely like that. Everybody seems to know each other and they're all very willing and able to sort of give each other a leg up. Doesn't it's, it's, I wouldn't call it competitive, but it's sorry. I would never call it competitive, but I would call the scene in Sydney a little bit competitive because I know I experienced a little bit of that ourselves when we were down there. Um, yeah, okay. And I just, I spoke to, I've was, I was had this conversation with um, uh, Mike, is it, what's his name, Carol from For All Eternity. They're a great band. Um, he felt that they got quite a bit of support, but then they've blown up over in the States as well. So he might not yep. notice it quite as much as a band like yourselves who actually uh, do come from Sydney and do play in Sydney quite regularly, but... Yeah, it's just, and, and also too, mate, I've got to tell you with my podcast series, I don't think I've got anybody that listens in Sydney. I don't know what it is. I've got, a, I've got an audience in Detroit in North America, you know, um, but none, you know, 1,200 kilometres or however far away it is from where I'm sitting right now down the road. Um, so I'm not bagging right. in Sydney, but it just, yeah, it's just a bit of a funny place. I don't know whether it's because it's decentralised these days because there's five and a half million people, almost six million people in the bloody city, if you can imagine that. Of course you can. You live there and yeah, you've got to deal with the traffic. But that should be uh, that should that should be the opposite, you know. You know, reason. I mean, we all complain that sometimes, or at least the people in bands sometimes complain that the population in Australia is not not huge. You know, like a, mm. like like a European states and things like that, where there's just cities everywhere and people everywhere. So there's always, you know, if you've got five percent of the people in the population go to shows, let's say random number, mm. if there's a uh, a few hundred million people, and that's a lot of people going to shows. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, I mean, like I, I don't feel that competitiveness, like as as such, like with, with bands in Sydney. I mean, all the bands we've played with and and stuff, like we, you know, it's 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 really really cool. Everyone yeah, cool. encourages each other and yep. sticks to watch watch each other play, and, and you know, and supports each other. I, I think that's that's great there, and I mm. think it's it's. Yeah, there's no, nothing sort of bad about it in, in that sense to me. Um, I think it's just uh, it's, it's just not as 
part of the culture as as like in Melbourne where people just go, what's happening? You know, that, mm. what band's playing at the Toad on Saturday night? Let's mm. we're going, you know, as opposed to, do you know what I mean? I think so. Yeah. The so if there's a band on, they're going to catch the band because they're going to the Toad because they just know there's a band on. Whereas mm. here, it's like we'll go see the band because we know that our friends are playing. It's, you know. Yeah, I get it. Whereabouts do you guys rehearse? What what rehearsal studio? Um, I actually uh, have one. I own one, so we, uh-huh. we we do all recording and rehearsal in house. Okay, right. So that's that's not one that Ben's going to hire out. So that's your own private space that you guys. No, that's that's like a commercial facility. Oh, um, good on you, so mate. Like oh, a... you'd know, mate. You're very connected then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> what's the um? What's the name of the rehearsal studio? Everything. <laughs> hey. What's the name of the rehearsal studio you've got down there? Uh, Housework Studios. Where about what suburb is that in? It's in Brookvale, uh, just north okay. of the city. Yeah, yeah, I remember rehearsing there once. I can't remember the name of the place, of course, but um, yeah, point with me trying to remember it now after 20 years or whatever it's been. But yeah, no, that's yeah, fair I'm, enough, I'm, mate. Yeah. Been there for five years. A couple of days ago was, was the five year. 22nd was the five year mark of the anniversary of when I started building it. Oh, good on you, mate. Yeah, okay. So you, you obviously get a lot of feedback from people coming through in terms of what they're doing. Do you get, do you get a lot of covers, musicians? Because that's what I do these days. I play in covers bands. So, of course, there's plenty of work when you do that. But yeah, do you get a lot of duos and covers musicians and, and people who are what I classify as working musicians in the sense that they're work playing two or three times a week? Yeah, they're, they're paying to get played and they're going to get paid every show sort of thing. Yeah, totally, yeah. And not, not like worried about getting a dollar per head or $3 per head or, or whatnot. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've got a few of those bands come through. Like, it's for the rehearsal side of the business, um, I, I get a lot of, yeah, you know, it's, it's everything, man. It's, it's, it's really everything. You've got people coming in to practice drums by themselves through to acoustic duos even, um, you know, cover bands, metal bands, pop punk bands, you know, everything. Name it, really. everything that comes um, through. Indie, yeah. reggae. <laughs> it's just, it's just, a, it's a total mix. It's just everything, blues, rock, all sorts of stuff. I'm, I'm never surprised yeah. at how much metal Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast produces because every time I go to a rehearsal studio, there seems to be, if there's five rooms, at least three of them are full of death metal bands or bands actually putting on some real techie, and they're playing well. Some of these guys can play, yeah. I was Chuck Schuldiner from Death, right? And, um... I listen to them and I think, wow, okay, <laughs> they are. And you never know who's going to come out these days. What I find interesting, and you probably know what I'm saying, it could be an 18-year-old, when I say kid coming out, you know, an 18-year-old young man coming out of the room or it could be a 55-year-old hoary old rock goat coming out. You never know because yeah. all metal these days has just crossed over so many different boundaries, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We used to have a, um, I used to have a band called Stories that used to jam at the, uh, at the studio. And they've, they've split up now, but they're doing quite well. They're on the unified sort of label, sort of more that sort of spectrum of the metal. Mm. And um, and now just like like eighteen, you know, and just such proficient players, like just amazing, like really, really good players. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the world that we live in in, in our sort of genre of metal, but you know, mm. man, they they were good players, and it was always great when when I'd have them in because you can hear them through the wall and be like. And these just these little dudes that just rock out and just be like, man, have you mastered that's that already? Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like how do you do that? <laughs> do you do you ever get a musician coming through exactly like what you're saying about your uh, mate who came from with a Spanish background that ended up joining your band? Do you ever see or hear a musician coming through and think, my God, he'd be great for what we do? Um, well, not not really. I mean. I kind of did that. I found those two dudes, and I was like, "Yoink!" <laughs> um, but <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with, with, with those guys. We're all pretty happy together. And I, I think it's um, we because we, we don't have a bass player. We've got it's, it's literally just one guitarist, the drummer, and myself on the vocals. Um, and and we did like audition a few bass players and things like that. We, we did you know think about getting other other members in. And what we, I don't know, we just didn't find anyone right at the time. Hmm. More yep. so than anything. Now it's not like someone couldn't do what we were doing or anything like that just we didn't really come across those those right right people and then we ended up sort of setting it up the way that we, we have it now where the guitarist runs you know a, an octave pedal to a bass rig and he has two guitar rigs and switches between things for different sections of the songs and stuff so that we, we don't really need one mm, um okay yeah it's cheaper too in the so, lot yeah, isn't it? I, don't know, I don't really it's not really i don't know 
I like how it is with, with the three of us. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, less less people, less problems. There's no doubt about that in bands. Oh, mate. Two other people <laughs> to organise stuff with. Hey, guys, can you do it? Can you do it? Sweet, we're going, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes imagine. it easy. I've been in bands before where there's a bunch of us, and, you know, there are different work schedules and all this sort of stuff, and nothing gets done. So, yeah. yeah it's very cool. So, talking about work schedule, what do you think the work schedule or the plan looks like for you guys? And, you know, I'm just picking a number here, next five years or so. Have you got, you know, Metallica and Megadeth style world domination or are you you're sort of doing something a bit more closer to home where you're happy to fill a room with 90 to 100 paying punters that buy merch? Let's take on the world, my friend. Wonderful. 100%. 100%. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to be no Metallica. But um, <laughs> we're not the, hey, not Metallica aren't Metallica but, these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, they got older, they changed. So that's cool. They're happy. Yeah, but um, yeah, they wrote you know, Master of Puppets. That's enough. Changes, man. If they're doing the exact same thing. Everyone go, oh, it sounded like just. I mean, I don't know, whatever. But everyone's got their opinion on Metallica. But man, I think they're cool. I like them. I still like them. But um. Did you like the last album? Yeah, we the, like, the like travel band. Like, that's the idea. We want to get, get an album going after this tour. We'll start recording our first album. Um, you know, work out how long that sort of, you know, release it sort of towards the end of the year, mid 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 year or something like that. I guess you know, there's a few things to to, mm. to, to organise there. But um, and then you know, once that's out, basically we want to, you know, we're all saving. We're all we're a little joint bank account. We all chip into each week to. <laughs> to fund all this stuff that we do and um and we, you know that's the plan we want to go to europe we want to go to the states we want to you know we want to be an internationally touring band like you know, that's what we want to be doing so i know you i mean obviously our connection comes through dicey so you've got pretty bloody good connections for an australian band but what's it going to take for you guys do you think to get on a tour with electric wizard or somebody like that and go through europe or the states um yeah i mean it, it is you know you need some good contacts um and we've sort of got some little conversations going on at the moment um you know there's just small ones so there's there's, there's, not, there's not too much to talk about yet yeah but um you know if all things pan out with this album right they could work out well and you know it's that juggling act you know what i mean yeah I do, totally you yeah. don't know until things start happening you know so but, you know, there's a few yeah. different contacts that we've got. So we want to, you know, let's get this album going. And then we want to basically shop that album, try and get international booking agents and, you know, record labels and things like that. Um, we'd, we'd rather, you know, release it through a label and all that kind of stuff than just doing it ourselves oh, for that exact for that exact reason. You know, mm. they've, they've got the contacts. They can put you on... Um, on tours deals. and bills and festivals with, with, with killer bands because... You know, they're the guys that, that put these things together and, and you know, work with the, the people that put these things together. So mm. that's that's the um that's the kind of goal for this year is we wanna establish ourselves with, with that kind of stuff with, with you know, with booking agents in Europe and the States and things like that. Yeah. So if say for example, Gloria Cavalera was to give you a call and say, Right guys, you've got a week to get over here and we need you for an eight week trek because the band that we had have pulled out for God knows whatever reason, is that something you, if you're in a position now and we'll ask that. Do you think you could accept an offer like that? Just as a hypothetical. Right now? Yeah. No, yep. we could. I don't think we could. I think we need to. We need to get our money together first. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's also one of those things where if that happens, then you're probably going to move heaven and earth to do it. Like next thing you know, there's going to be bank loans and, and things like that. I mean, I, I personally took bank loan to go to South by Southwest um, when we did that last year because mm. um, I didn't have the cash to do it because I just yeah, you know, I've been spending basically every cent I have on on uh, you know on the studio and and, and always investing in, in that you know recording yeah. gear and all that kind of stuff that doesn't come cheaply. And um, so yeah, I mean, if, if something like that happened, I don't know. We're, we're the kind of guys that would just make something happen. I don't know. We'd work it out. Like the amount of times I've heard that happening um i'm sure richie won't mind me sharing this story but he told me years ago richie norton from super high sorry dw sorry no oh, yeah um he told me that he was offered uh the base slot on a tour in soulfly but he was given about no, i don't want to misquote him here i think he told me he was given about 24 or 48 hours notice basically to learn the entire set he's not the yeah. only person that's told me things like that have been offered 
Um, I'm not yeah. saying through the Caval you know, the Caval uh, Gloria Cavalier or Max yeah. Cavalier, but through other people yeah, but, have been like, here you go, here's the opportunity if you want it. It's right now. It's a small window, and it's going unless you give me a yes right now. That sort of thing. It's a shame, isn't it? But sometimes in the music business, that's generally not how it works. But it can work that way. It can. It totally can work that way. And um, and if you want to do it, I mean, like that that could be that that could be that opportunity that you take, and then you know you do it the last minute or whatnot, and then you know you go on on that tour and then after that they're like oh you guys are great we've got to have you back or you know you make that connection and, and imagine saying no to something like that you know <laughs> well, it'd, it'd live with you I think it would live with you I don't I think you know Richie's yeah. had his and, own and then, success and then but... you never got asked again and you never got asked again that's what happens and I can tell you for I've I've been um, uh, an account executive at Telstra for 11 years I just got out of that last year actually and I remember some of the promotions that, that I went for in that role there. It works like that there too insofar as, look, this is a job that's come up. We strongly suggest you apply for this role because you never know when another opportunity is going to come along. Now, I can tell you one of the jobs that I went for was quite a senior role and I was I would classify myself as just ready for it when I accepted right. it. I knew I'd have a lot to learn. But, yeah, I imagine, I imagine that if I'd said no, I might have been overlooked for the next two or three applications yeah. that I put in. You know what I mean? So you, it works like that in the world in general sometimes, doesn't it? Was sort of the point I was going to make earlier. It, do, it totally does. And, and that could be that little catalyst that just gets, you know, because like, you know, being in a band and all that kind of stuff as you're coming up from doing your first gigs to doing a bit of touring to doing all these different things. The more you do, the more people you meet, you know, the more shows you're playing in your hometown, you know, the more opportunities arise in your hometown. The more mm. time you the more times you go to Melbourne, the more opportunities arise in Melbourne. Um, so all that stuff, just just because you're there more often, you're being seen by people, you've made that extra connections, you've you've you've, you've been introduced to someone else or, or something like that. So hmm. all that stuff is is just how that, that continually happens. I mean, you know, if you if you have some massive offer like that, you say no, and then they might not ask you again because yeah. well, you didn't uh, you didn't turn up that time. And you guys are definitely uh, good enough to accept. To basically, I mean, if someone gave you an opportunity, the music and the product that you've got, sorry for, you know, calling you music product, but you know what I'm saying, don't you, in terms of the no, way no, managers look at things and agents look at it, um, you're yeah. strong enough to tour the states. You've actually got a sound that I think, whether it be Gotor or uh, or King Parrot, mate, if you no, obviously you know Youngie, mate, so they're touring yeah. with, God, who are they touring with? I oh, know it's Thy Art is Murder that's touring with Dying Fetus, isn't it? Over there, in the yeah, that's, I don't think that's KP. They just did the super joint tour, though. That's um, the one, yeah, a couple, months, a couple of months back. So, I mean, they've, they've toured with Soulfly and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> They're a one, Look, I've got to hand it to them. I mean, they've done it on their own terms, mate. I mean, you obviously are familiar with the band, but what's your take on their success? I think it's, I think it's. You know they've, they've they've got drive, man. They put work mm. in. They, they work their butts off. They take massive risks. I mean, um, you know, like, like we're really good mates with Youngie and know the guys really well. Um, and and they just, man, they put their balls on the line. It's as simple as that. Um, and and then that's and they're smart, you know. They they do things the right way. Um, and and work ethic, you know, it's, it just comes down to that. Like it's like it's like your parents tell you, man. You work hard, you do well. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? If, as long as you've got a it's vision. So true. It's hundred percent true. You know, if you put if you put the time into something, anyone could. I'm a hundred percent believer of this. Anyone can do anything. You know, if if you want to do something, you can do it. It's it's the difference between people that 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 do all the cool stuff and live out those those cool dreams, or you know, get those cool experiences. Obviously, there's some things like, especially when you're in a band, you know, making sure that you've got a band that all stay together and get along, and all those kinds of things. But outside of that side of it. If you want to do something, all you've got to do is do it. If you don't know how to do it, research on how to do it, you know? And if, mm. and if, and if you know, just doing some research online or something like that doesn't, doesn't give you the answers, then, then find someone that, that has done it before and, you know, get some tips off them or, or do a course or I don't know. But if, if you want to do something, you can do it. It's just a matter of putting the effort in. And most people don't put the effort in. And a lot of people go, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I'd done that or oh, some stuff. Like life's pretty black and white. Like it's it can, it's pretty simple when you you get down to the nitty gritty of it. If, if you want to do something, just get off your ass and do it. And that's what they do. You know? They yeah. 
They've just gone. They've just gone. We want to do this, and like, look what this this grindcore band from Melbourne have done, man. They're, they're, they kill it. They're doing so so well. They're arguably and, Australia's premier rock and metal export in 2018, along with Die Art as Murder. I mean, I don't think I can name anybody bigger right now in terms of um, coverage. I think I don't know how many Facebook followers they got, but I'll tell you what, the majority of them would be from the States. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they just they just work their butts off, man. They just do it. And, and I mean, and on top of that, first and foremost, they have one of the best live shows you'll come across. It's like, man, they're entertaining as hell to watch. Um, you can you can watch any single member of that band and be entertained for set, let alone. I've noticed that you bang on point with that with that comment you just made. I watched one of their videos. I haven't seen them live yet, unfortunately, but I watched oh, one of their God. live videos in the states, and it was an incredible performance. It was, you know, that term incendiary gets used quite a bit, but that's what it was. I felt like I was watching Gigi Allen's Offspring. Yeah, yeah. You know, without all of the shit and piss and everything else. <laughs> Yeah, which is kind of cool because who wants to get shit thrown at them? I mean, let's be honest, right? <laughs> Have you seen that video? Have you too. seen <laughs> I've seen videos on YouTube and they're like, man, why are you case. paying money to do that? Like, I don't want someone to throw that to me. So great. you've seen the video where he's playing in New York, I think, and he does a shit and the whole crowd just bolts for the exit and there's one yeah. or two poor sacks that are sort of couldn't get out quick enough, I don't think. You can see the look of horror on their face about what he's going to do to them. <laughs> Yeah. A, a proper animal, eh? <laughs> oh, the last real rock star, I reckon, in some some respects. I mean, pretty. I mean, looking back, okay, he must have had some kind of, with all due respect to people who've got a mental disorder, but you know what I mean. He must have had something going yeah. on there because he was off with the fairies. He yeah. wasn't with us. He wasn't part of planet Earth when he even when he was living. There was something else going on there. Yeah, he had hit, hit the bottle and other things maybe a bit too hard or something, you know. Yeah, indeed. So, mate, tell me. Challenges. Okay, so you know we've talked uh, we've talked a little a little bit about Sydney, and we've talked a little bit about, and I really appreciate what you've shared there too um, about what it takes to actually do it. You know, you're a bloke that is in a position where you're seeing and you're having a conversation with musicians constantly because of your business. Okay, so you hear it all. Yeah. I'd imagine you hear all of the yeah. reasons for success. I hear, I hear everything, man. Everyone tells me where they're at, what they're doing. You know, I hear some people like. I've had people come in and go, you know, like they're frustrated, like, why is nothing happening? Why is not there? And then I sit down with them, just like, you know, I like to help out. And I feel like I've got a pretty decent knowledge on how to, how to manage a band and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. You know, I've been doing this shit for years and years. Um, so it's definitely not my first rodeo or anything like that. So, yeah, you were talking about, um, talking about the various people that you meet. And the question that I was alluding to was um, if you could share some of the challenges that you've had in the band. I mean, just or even a notable challenge that you've had that you've managed to overcome. Um, I mean, the challenges are when you're in the band, especially in the early days, is, is like, you know, booking tours and um, and doing that for the very first times, you know, when, when no one knows who you are and, and you don't have any reputation or any, you know, any history, really. So that's like when it's, when it's, you know, it's quite trying. It's, it just takes a lot of a lot of hours of organising it, and and also even just trying to find bands to play with out of town. Because once again, like, who are you? We don't know you, that kind of thing. So those things can be quite tricky at the start, and they just take lots and lots and lots of lots of your time on the email, you know, back and forth, contacting people, and just organising that. Um, that I think is is sort of one of the harder parts, you know, is is, is just organising all all the touring. I mean, as far as the other stuff, being in a band of, of getting together and writing songs and um, you know, coming yeah. up with cool tunes and things like that, that's just all fun. You know? That's just yeah, that's just part and parcel of it, really, isn't it? That part of that's, it there. That's, but, that's yeah. What, yeah, and that and that's only a really small part of of. Like if, if you, unless you just jam with your mates and play a few shows around your local town and, and just have fun and all that kind of stuff, which is you know, which is also awesome as well. But um, if you actually want to be a touring band and, and, and out there doing stuff, um, you know, actually writing music and jamming is like it's it's a small it's it's it's, it's not an, it's not even half of what you spend your time doing. <laughs> it's what you <laughs> want to be doing all the time, but but the reality is the back end of of the organising. Yeah. You know, you spend spend every day on the email. 
you know, going back and forth. And it's non-stop. If, if, you, if, you're, if you're a constantly active band, it's a non-stop thing. You've got to be, you just got to work your butt off. It's a second job, you know? Mm. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I know, totally, yeah. yeah. Passion only takes you so far, doesn't it? It's that commitment to hard work that'll take you all the way. Yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can be the most kick-ass band, have the coolest songs, and if you, you know, but if you don't put any effort into, to, you know, breaking those barriers in sense of the touring and all those kinds of things, um, you know, the only people are going to hear you are your 50 mates or 20 yeah. mates that rock up to your shows or whatnot. And, you know, a few bands here or there. It's not going to, you know, really go anywhere. Um, you've, you've got to do all those, those other little things, you know, making contacts and, and, and I think like, Playing with as many different bands as possible. Don't get that that right where I see, I see bands that you know, they're always playing with the same group of bands all the time or yeah, something like that. You know, yeah. the same venues. It's always you know, sort of repeating every six months the same sort of thing. Well, it can um, be isolating too for a punt from a punter's perspective if all of the bands are already mates together, which means that their extended other halves already know each other, and they're all basically yeah. the only people that are at a gig and they're drinking and having fun. You can feel like as though, hang on a sec, if I turned up to a party I wasn't invited to. Yeah, and, uh, and also for the punter, you're like, oh, I saw these three bands, you know, two months ago, and now I'm seeing them again, and then for the third time, fourth time, it's like, oh, it's just the same lineup. You know, or you know, or, or 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 it's just you playing the same venue a month later, and then the same, you know, every couple of months, or you know, it's the same thing all the time. It just, you know, after a while, people go, oh, "Cool, we, we've done that a bunch of times now. We don't need to do it again." Yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of... Oh, fair enough. Mm. Okay, right. Stagnant. Look, I got I got an opportunity for one more question. Okay, so I do like asking yeah, sure. Australian bands this one here. So I do host a not safe for work program so I can be as vulgar as you so choose. Indeed, I encourage it, okay? But what's the most hilarious story you've got from touring or just being in the band in general? Uh, let me think. It's the most hilarious and terrible. It's one of the worst memories, like I said. Um, <laughs> seriously, I've had too much party, we'll call it, over the years. Um, <laughs> It's <laughs> as good a description as any. Nice. In my younger years, yeah, I'm getting old now. Um, what's the what's the funniest scenario? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty innocent. Ever had ever had any? Um, you know, I was talking to Azabok about his um, experience with a a girl that used to stalk him, and they actually their latest video it was actually modelled on that experience. So it's not a autobiography or biographical by any stretch, but it's modelled on his experience. So have you had anything like that where you've had, you know, a fan who's just a little bit too enthusiastic or keen? I've had, I've had, um, I mean, I've, I've had like, you know, this, there was this one time, it wasn't in this band, but it was another band and uh, there was this girl like dancing on stage, you know, you know, like sometimes you get a girl dancing on stage and they just, they just want to be the centre of attention kind of yeah. thing. You know, I play in covers bands, so yeah, I'm used to it, believe me. <laughs> yeah, you've probably seen it. And just, uh, man, she was just like spilling, you know, drinks pretty much all over the pedal board and trying to flirt with the guitarist. And the poor boyfriend was standing like right like uh, on the side of the stage trying to get her down. I've seen a couple of those sort of scenarios, which are pretty funny. But... um. Yeah. I don't know. There was one. There was one night we played. In, we played in uh, in the uh, at the Tats up in Lismore there, and we we got pretty sourced up after the show, mm -hmm. and uh, we didn't really want to go to bed. You know, it's like the pubs closed. So what do we do? You know, and it was just like crappy nightclub down the road, like terrible DJ nightclub thing down the road. Yeah. And um, but it was super fun, man. So we went to like, so we were like, how do we get out of this place? Because we don't have a key to get back into the pub mm -hmm. so we did this like little you know like mission impossible stealth <laughs> down the stairs and you know there's this like security security door so like how are we going to get this security door to stay open stay just automatically open. swings shut we can't just put something in wedge something in the door because it's going to be too obvious people are going to see it someone might break in we don't want anyone to actually break into the giant mm. um and we had like a whole bunch of uh all of our gear was like upstairs and we didn't, we thought we'd locked it up, but we didn't lock 
there are. So we have like all this money up there from, from, from merch and things like that. All our heads and everything, like all the gear was like up in this room. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of shady characters, I think, that, that live upstairs and in that in that pub as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, we're, we're trying to work out this thing, sort of like getting bits of cardboard, wedging it in the, um, in the little lap sphere. We've got yeah. duct tape and we like, you know, perfectly fashioned this this completely concealed uh, latch restraint to stop the still push the door open. We, we thought we were. We were pretty smooth, you know, and um, and then we looked up and directly like me or a pointing straight at us was the, the security camera. It's like, oh, there goes our <laughs> our <laughs> dastardly <laughs> plan has been foiled. Yeah, and I knew it was like so hammered, man. At the time, I mean, it was not like it, it wasn't that crazy or anything, but hmm. at the time we thought we were being like, you know, intentionally <laughs> like taking the Mickey, like we were like spies or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then we Sweet. looked at our man and we were just in hysterics and we were on the floor rolling around. Oh, that's cool. That was pretty fun. It was innocent, but it was fun. Uh, it was probably a bunch of other stupid shit we've done. But I, that one that you talked about where the fan got up on stage or the gig attendee got up, got up on stage there, we put a stop to that about five years ago or so because we yeah. had trouble getting this hen's night group off the stage or not. They would not get off. And you've got to be very careful um, how you pro- delicate is the word to describe how you, you approach do, you these do. things. Yeah, you know, because we wanted them to stick around and keep having fun and all the rest of it. We didn't want to draw attention to them, but we were playing in front of about eighty people that night. But yeah, they got quite aggressive with us actually. I think and stuff, you know, because they were lubed up themselves. These girls, so they were juiced up, meaning that they were uh, drinking. Yeah, and, and um, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are. a drunk person like in the zone sometimes, and you can be like. Hey, you know, back up a little bit off the gear or, uh, or or something. It could be, you know, just just drunk people in general. You know, mm. light up. You know, go off it. Yeah. <laughs> you get a laugh about it, though. I know. Well, that's it. Uh, well, we encourage that in this band. That's, 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 <laughs> that's a beautiful thing, man. People, people, people storm us off. So, uh, actually, here's a funny story. So, when we were playing, we played Dead or Winter Festival last um that was awesome that that festival's great Caroline that runs that kills it it's mm-hmm. just a killer festival it's really really cool and um so we were playing like the after party at the zoo later that night so we were like 2am and we played that afternoon at the festival I think it was like 6.40 you know 6.30 or something mm-hmm. like that so there was a lot of beers drunk between um between then and two, the two we got there for being, you know, we had a few beers before playing. We don't get two beers before we play. We had a couple of beers, yeah. And um, but then afterwards, man, we hit it, and you know, we're hanging out with the Black Swamp and Hot Topsy and a bunch of really cool bands and like Red B and stuff. We're all good friends with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like you know, there was really like twenty five different thirty or so band members that were all mates with, and just it's just like catch ups, you know. It was just this party. It was great. Yeah. So then they all came with us to. To hang out when we played at the uh, at the at the zoo, and just before we went on, Jake, the drummer from Hortops, he comes up and he's like, he's like, man, there's a uh, there's an ironing board and an iron backstage. Do you mind if I just present that to you at some point during the set? And I'm like, sure, why not? You know, <laughs> sounds like a fun idea. So he brings out this uh, ironing board, and there's like this intro to one of our songs, which is quite a slow sort of intro that slowly builds up. Mm-hmm. And he brings out the ironing board and sits it and like sort of presents it for me and. I take my shirt off and start ironing it. You know, it's been silly as do 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 sort of going on in the background there. Yep. And then I'm like yelling at everyone, like telling everyone to give me their clothes to iron. And then people are throwing me their jackets and I'm pretending to iron it and whatnot. <laughs> you know, it's just like what's going on. Have you got a video and of this? Then, um, and then the song like kicks into the real heavy, you know, rum 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 sort of section. And then I'm just like, I've got an iron in my hand holding it by the lead and I'm swinging it around and around in circles. Like if I let go of that right. thing, there's a freaking iron flying across the room into my head or someone else's in the crap. Like it was stupid as hell, right? It wasn't smart. Um, and proceeded to, to, to bash the, uh, the ironing board. Um, <laughs> bash the ironing board to, to the ground and then just swinging this freaking thing around my head. And the next thing you know, I think, um, I think then Jay just started by pulling all the drums off the stage. They just started pulling, all the guys just came out, they started pulling like cymbals off and just, I don't know, it was just like... Just it was bedlam. Just, it, was a, it was an 
Yeah, it was just a mess. It was a proper mess, but it was, but in a really good way, man. Everyone was just mm. laughing and having having a really good time. Oh, wicked! Yeah, it's pretty cool. funny. Well, there you that go. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's. Hey. Uh, do you reckon there's a video out there somewhere of it? Someone with a phone, you know, video on their phone. Yeah, or we, like we we had um because we we did one of those video clips like you were talking about before, where it's all live shot. So we shot. We we actually have a video clip like that, which we shot at Dead of Winter Festival, right. and then we got a couple of shots. Um, of that, that gig later on in the evening. So there's a bit of footage floating around the tour. Nice. The little promo clip's got a bit of it in it where I'm sort of, you know, got an iron, you know, an iron down my pants and, and jiggling it around. <laughs> I'll have to watch that, actually. <laughs> I'm just yeah. being an idiot, man. We're sort of pretty loose on stage, so pretty funny. Ah, good stuff. All right, so, yeah. mate, we've come to the end. So if you want to tell the listener how they can get in touch with you, so obviously you've got Facebook, but, mate, your music, is that available on Apple uh, Music and Spotify? Yeah. It's available on all the downloading, you know, uh, sites, um, you know, Bandcamp and, and, and iTunes, and we're on Spotify and all that kind of stuff. Um, they can find us at, you know, the best way to keep up with things is, is Facebook. Everyone's on there. Um, and obviously, we've got this, this tour coming around, you know, Australia uh, over March. So we'll be uh, 2nd of March from the Gold Coast. So You're down at Burley, aren't you? At, on the Gold Coast? Um, yeah, you're at Burley, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Moe's Desert uh, Clubhouse. I've been there before. It sounds really cool. Yeah, it's a pretty good and place, actually. Accommodation, which is which is lovely, you know? Yeah, I think they've only just started doing things not too long ago, actually, but it's in a semi-industrial area there at Burley. There's a small one there. Uh, so you've got a lot of rock yeah. climbing places around you. And plus, mate, you're only a stone's throw away from Burley Beach, mate, which is one of the best beaches, I think, in Australia. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I've surfed there a couple of times. Yeah, oh, you guys will love it there, yeah. Are you playing the sunny coast? No, we're not. We're not. We're not going any further than Brisbane. Unfortunately, we still haven't gone past Brisbane, so that's going to have to happen on the on the album launch. Uh, that would be a, that'll be a huge tour. That one. Um, yeah, play no, Soul Bar at Maroochydore if you can, mate. Yeah, Dark Seal and a few other bands. King Parrot, I think, are playing there in the next couple of yeah. days or weeks. I saw that. I saw that Dark Cell. They put a little bit of footage up the other day. It looked really, really cool. So. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get to go. Up. Yeah, I wish I'd gone to that one actually. There, I know the the bloke who helps manage and David Dean quite well. Um, so yeah. just to support him and the band as well. Um, but um, yeah, that's a good venue that one there at Maroochydore on Ocean Street, mate. I think you guys would go down quite well, uh, particularly yeah, given cool. that they're already playing KP. Yeah, well, I mean if they're playing KP and, and Dark Cell, that they're obviously putting on some heavy bands, so hmm. we might as well go join in. I say. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I host this year podcast called Scars and Guitars and that was my conversation with the bloke called Miller, the frontman of Sydney-based Doom and Sludge Monsters, Black Renault.